This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. This is Roger Stone, and you're back on the Roger Stone Show here at 77 WABC Radio. Joining me now is one of the most articulate attorneys in the country, a principled conservative. Mike Davis is the former chief counsel for nominations of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. He worked for that great American patriot, Senator Chuck Grassley. He is also active in the Article 3 project to ensure that those appointed to our federal judiciary actually believe in the U.S. Constitution. He's also active in the uh, the uh, Internet Accountability Project, as well as the unsilenced uh, majority organization fighting against cancel culture. Davis, welcome to the Roger Stone Show. Thank you very much for having me, Roger. Well, there's a lot to cover today. Uh, I guess uh, we'll start with the lawfare against President Donald Trump. Uh, as I look at these various uh, indictments uh, in New York, uh, in Georgia, in Washington, D.C., what I see is a willful effort to weaponize uh, the judicial system for strictly political purposes. Uh, I have no doubt whatsoever that if Donald Trump was not leading for the Republican nomination by double digits, heavy double digits, and continuing to lead Joe Biden uh, in national trial heats as well as in the swing states, well, I really doubt any of this would be happening. So why don't we start with the question of the special counsel, Jack Smith, and his charges against Donald Trump, which appear to me to be simply because the president had the audacity to exercise his First Amendment rights to question the anomalies, irregularities, and potential fraud in the last presidential election. Yeah, but this is obvious Democrat lawfare against President Trump. This is obvious election interference to take out President Trump through the legal system, through lawfare. They want to put him in prison for the rest of his life instead of facing him on November 5th, 2024. And their fear is founded because the, the American people are waking up to this. And if you look at the polling, including a Fox News poll that came out uh, just uh, yesterday, President Trump is beating President Biden like a drum. And that's what they're terrified of. They're terrified of the will of the American people. So they want these Democrat lawyers and Democrat prosecutors and Democrat judges and Democrat juries and these Democrat hellholes, uh, third world, third world Marxist hellholes of New York, D.C. and Atlanta to decide the, the next election. They want to have President Biden or Kamala or Gavin Newsom to win by default by taking up taking out President Trump. You saw this. They've they've impeached him twice. They've indicted him four times. They've brought these civil lawsuits. He's Teflon Don. He's just gotten stronger. And now their next place is they simply want to use a civil war, a provision disqualification provision for rebellion or insurrection 
under the 14th Amendment, a post-Civil War amendment to, to, uh, to eliminate Confederate uh, uh, sympathizers from running for federal office. They're trying to use that now, uh, after 150 years after the Civil War, to just take President Trump off the ballot. This is all bogus. It's just going to make President Trump stronger because I think the American people see that he's our president. He's not the D.C. Uniparty president. So, uh, look, I'm not an attorney, and you're a very astute attorney, uh, and I read everything you write, and I enjoy your various media appearances because I think you're very, very effective. But as I understand it, uh, in the D.C. case, uh, they are claiming that Trump knew in his heart and his mind that he had lost the election uh, and that he sought to cling to power anyway. But that requires them to prove... I think the legal term is mens rea, what Trump's state of mind was. Now, I know the president. I don't think there was any juncture, not then, not now, that he ever believed that he had lost a free, fair, honest, transparent election. How will they prove this? In other words, their argument was, well, the CIA director told you, the head of Homeland Security told you, Bill Barr told you. Uh, I don't think it matters who told him. What matters is what he believed no well yeah i mean it's a fraud theory which is bogus because you have to show that he made uh you know knowingly false statements and there was detrimental reliance and so they're not going to be able to prove that i i know president trump not as well as you do but i know that he still believes what he said and frankly i believe what he said because I, i do think that there were irregularities think about it this way if it were such a free and fair election why did they break why did they break federal law to conduct this election? They used COVID illegally to, uh, as an excuse for these Democrat officials and these weak uniparty Republicans to mass mail ballots out to the voter registration list. People move. People die. College students at college campuses move, right? And I got a ballot in Washington, D.C., a live ballot in Washington, D.C. at my house for someone who had died many, many, many years before that. And what would stop me from voting that live ballot that was illegally mass mailed to me? I didn't request it. It just got sent out to old list. They didn't even send a postcard saying, hey, is, uh, is this your current address? And if it, the postcard bounced back, they wouldn't have to send a ballot. They just mass mailed these live ballots and what would stop these live ballots from being counted is uh, election uh, election observers, so evidence gatherers, and signature verification. And then the Democrats and then the weak uniparty Republicans got rid of election observers, and they turned signature verification down to the point where it was meaningless, right? So it didn't matter what the, what the signature said. It was going to get through the system because they – they turned the computers down to such a way where it was gonna, was it gonna catch any of these bad signatures? So then they, then they say, well, you, you don't have evidence. Well, you threw out the evidence gatherers, and then you, you block people from, from gathering evidence during this election. So you, you have to look at this under as a lawyer uh, when you're in civil litigation. If the other side destroys or withholds evidence. It's called spoliation of evidence, and there is a the court can order that the jury can infer that if there's spoliation of evidence, if the other side hid evidence, withheld evidence, or destroyed evidence, you can presume that evidence was bad for the person who hid it or withheld it or destroyed it. 
So, I mean, that's number one. So Democrats were complaining about, you know, that their their election deniers are the same people who withheld or destroyed uh, this evidence. And so we uh, so that's point number one. But even if you think that President Trump is wrong or even if you think he's crazy, uh, he's allowed to object to the election under the Electoral Count Act of 1887. It is not a crime to object to presidential elections. It's allowed by federal law. If it were a crime to object to presidential elections, Democrats would be in prison for objecting to Republican wins in 1968, 2004, 2000, uh, 2000, 2004, and 2016. And it's not a crime to twist arms politically. That is allowed by the First Amendment. It is a messy process. So on both of these January 6th indictments, both Jack Smith's indictment in D.C. and Fannie Willis's indictment and down in Atlanta, Georgia, there's zero evidence, zero evidence that President Trump incited the violence on January 6th. Right. It was not an insurrection. It was it was a riot. It was a protest, a lawful protest permitted by the National Park Service that got out of control and turned into a riot. How many insurrectionists get to the Senate floor of a nation's capital, uh, walk through velvet ropes, take selfies, follow police direction, and don't burn down the damn place, right? It was it was not an insurrection. If it were an insurrection, the House Democrat January 6th Kangaroo Commission that looked at this for years and the Biden Justice Department that looked at this for years, they would have found evidence. They found no evidence. They haven't charged ins- insurrection. They haven't charged rebellion. So it's not that. If it if Trump incited the riot, they would have found evidence. They didn't fight any evidence because it did not happen. So short of President Trump inciting violence or short of, for example, Rudy Giuliani having the real electors tied up in his trunk and sitting in fake electors with fake IDs instead of contingent electors uh, to to uh, maintain Trump's legal position, which is what they did, contingent electors, not fake electors. I don't know how the hell these Democrats think that any of these criminal criminal indictments are going to be upheld uh, by the Supreme Court. But frankly, at the end of the day, Roger, I don't think they care. They know the Supreme Court's not going to decide this until well after November 5th, 2024. And this is all about political lawfare and election interference. Uh, Let's go back to this uh, question of uh, attempts now in Minnesota, Colorado, uh, Florida, uh, and elsewhere. Uh, to have Democrat election officials, secretaries of state in some cases, uh, withhold President Trump's name from the ballot because they claim uh, that he participated in an insurrection and that that violates uh, Article 18, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, Again, I'm not an attorney, but where is this conviction for insurrection? That is their opinion. They're putting. They're acting on the basis of their opinion. No judicial finding. Uh, it, and uh, it is. Uh, since when do the states have this rights? I mean, the federal constitution and almost all of these decisions over the last twenty years have uh, have leaned away from states' rights. Now suddenly, the secretary of state in Colorado happens to be a Democrat, just because it is their opinion that Donald Trump participated in insurrection, despite any conviction for that crime, uh, can arbitrarily keep Trump off the ballot? This seems to me to be more egregious, perhaps in some ways, 
than the uh, than the indictments of him in various jurisdictions. This is completely lawless, and this is very, very dangerous. What the Democrats are doing here; these are republic-ending tactics. Again, they they impeached Trump twice. They've indicted him four times. They've brought these bogus civil lawsuits uh, around the country, including uh, New York Attorney General Tish James bringing a civil fraud lawsuit against President Trump for the non-fraud of a businessman paying back sophisticated. Wall Street banks in full with interest. And they realize that they've turned President Trump into Tupac, and they just just keep making him stronger and stronger. And so now they want to dust off this Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the Civil War Amendments. Uh, the, the, this was passed. The, the, after the Civil War, we passed, the Congress passed, and the states ratified the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Constitution to outlaw slavery guarantee equal protection and due process to the freed slaves and guarantee voting rights to freed male slaves. They added women uh, in the 19th Amendment later, but uh, that those were the Civil War Amendments. As part of the Civil War Amendments, there was a fear by the uh, during the Reconstruction efforts, there was a fear among Union officials that the Confederates, Confederates and Confederate sympathizers were winning elections to the U.S. House and other key offices, and they were going to undermine the post-war efforts, the reconstruction efforts, and undermine the Union. So Congress added Section 3 to the 14th Amendment that was ratified by the states that disqualified these Confederate sympathizers from holding office if they engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States during the Civil War. And so this is the, the disqualification clause of the 14th Amendment. And this has been largely dormant for 155 years until Trump and these Trump deranged uh, Democrats and even Trump deranged Republicans are bringing up this ridiculous legal theory to remove President Trump from the ballot. It is frivolous. It is dangerous. You can't just have some secretary of state or some other partisan official in the state just declare that President Trump committed insurrection or rebellion and take him off the, the, the ballot. That is the most anti-democratic, dangerous thing imaginable, because then what they're trying to do is they're trying to test this. They're trying to do this in blue states like Colorado. I spend 80 percent of my time in Colorado. I'm getting ready to write a piece about this. Uh, they, they, so they're going to test it in blue states and get a good ruling in blue states. And then they're going to take that ruling and try to use that precedent in swing states and take, you know, try to disqualify President Trump in the ballot on, in swing states like New Hampshire, and then President Biden is just going to win by default. Here's the problem with what their what their argument is. There is a case that's that is controlled. There's a controlling case on point that what you have to do in order to disqualify a president, it's the Griffin's case from 1869. What you have to do is Congress has to pass a federal statute under Section Five of the Fourteenth Amendment to make Section Three have its effect. So in order for, to disqualify for insurrection or rebellion, Congress has to pass a federal criminal statute, which Congress has done. They, they passed the Enforcement Act of 1860, 1871, or the Ku Klux Klan Act, that Congress revised to its current form in 1948 that calls for disqualification after a criminal conviction uh, with, with evidence beyond a reasonable, reasonable doubt by a jury of their peers up, uh, upheld on, on appeal, if all that happens, 
uh, unanimous jury of their peers uh, of their peers upheld an appeal, then you can disqualify under Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment. But you can't just have someone say Trump's an insurrectionist or Trump's a committed rebellion under the uh, under the Constitution, so therefore he comes off the ballot. There is no evidence that Trump did any of this because Jack Smith and Fannie Willis and the January 6th Commission and the rest of the Biden uh, regime, the Biden Justice, Justice Department, found no evidence this happened. This is lawless. And frankly, if you use the theory that Fannie Willis is using down in Georgia, it sounds like a Republican attorney general, a Republican DA, somewhere in America should charge these people for RICO, for Democrats pursuing this bogus legal theory, this anti-Democrat bogus legal theory to disqualify Trump from the ballot. Yeah, a civil RICO case against these people is a very, very interesting option. I I know a number of high-powered attorneys who are friends of mine who have been talking about that. Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio. Uh, You can listen to us at wabcradio.com. We are live streaming worldwide, and I'm interviewing Mike Davis, former chief counsel of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, active with the uh, Article 3 project to ensure the appointment of conservative jurists who actually believe in the U.S. Constitution, uh, as well as the Internet Accountability Project uh, and the Unsilenced Majority, an organization that fights cancel culture. Uh, Mike, uh, what do you make of the documents case uh, currently uh, in the courts uh, in Miami. It seemed to me that initially the deep state planned to put all of their eggs in that particular basket. Uh, Very strange sequence of events. Uh, President Trump argues that under the 1977 Presidential Documents Act, he has the unilateral authority to do anything he wants uh, with uh, presidential documents. It seemed to me that Judge Amy Berman Jackson, uh, who actually was the judge in my case, uh, uh, upheld Bill Clinton's right to do whatever he wanted with his post-presidential documents, uh, including keeping them in his sock drawer at home. Uh, But then when that case uh, on a, you know, arbitrary selection uh, uh, of of, uh, pardon me, a non-arbitrary selection of the judge using the wheel, selected uh, Judge Eileen Cannon, who happened to be appointed by Donald Trump. Uh, it was then and only then that the deep state decided that they needed to uh, gear up an effort in a more favorable jurisdiction. Now, the attacks on Judge Cannon have been disgusting. She is more than qualified. She is a former prosecutor with a pristine record of integrity. Uh, she is a Cuban immigrant uh, who, is, uh, who has fled, whose family fled communism. When they say she's unqualified or that she's a lightweight, what they mean is she's an honest judge. Donald Trump might actually get a fair trial in Miami, so we have to go to D.C., where it'd be very hard, in my opinion, having been through this particular meat grinder myself, for him to get a fair trial. What do you think of the documents case in Miami? I, I've been talking about this uh, for more than a year. It was a lo- I was a, a, the lonely voice out there for many months when too many 
Republican lawyers, lawyers and politicians were hiding in fear. I was out there uh, probably 15 times a day on TV and radio and podcast defending President Trump from day one on this Mar-a-Lago rate because I know it's bogus. I worked in the Bush 43 White House. Forgive me. I've, I've since gotten over uh, the, the, the Bush stuff. But, you know, think about it this way. We have a Presidential Records Act and under the Presidential Records Act, any documents created or received or received by the president or his White House staff uh, are presidential records. And under the Presidential Records Act, uh, he, the president can access his presidential records anytime he wants. That's why Congress gives the former president, the office of the former president, with federally funded staff, with security clearances, with uh, federally funded secure office space with Secret Service protection, he's allowed to access his records, classified or not, under the Presidential Records Act. And then you talked about the Clinton Sockdor case. The president is allowed to take a personal copy of any of his any of his presidential records anytime he wants. Remember, these are not original records for the most part that President Trump had down in Mar-a-Lago, these were copies from, like, for example, the, the federal agencies, the CIA. So if the CIA sent a copy of a classified record to President Trump or his staff, he's allowed to access those. Those become presidential records. He's allowed to access them anytime he wants, and he can take a personal copy. And the Clinton Sockdor case is very telling. You talked about Judge Burma. I guarantee you that she would not have the same ruling now with Trump because she's a partisan. But under the Clinton software case, President Clinton got caught with eight years of highly classified audio recordings of his presidency, 79 tapes in his software. And Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch uh, sued to get these records, right? And what the Clinton, uh, the Clinton lawyers argued successfully to the district court is, is look, these are presidential records, and he deemed them personal. The mere facts that President Clinton took these with him when he left the White House and he did not turn them over to the librarians at the National Archives uh, makes them personal records under the Presidential Records Act, so go away. And that's exactly what happened with President Clinton. So why would that not also apply to President Trump? And the reason is is because we have a Trump derangement syndrome exception to every law every constitutional provision, every federal statute, because the uniparty in D.C. Uh, hates President Trump and they want him to go away. Yeah, I saw criminal defense lawyer David Schoen, uh, who's one of the sharpest attorneys I know, uh, the other night uh, with Mark Levin. He made this exact case. Uh, you can look at any law and all the precedents, uh, but then you have to remember there's always the Trump exception, meaning the laws apply to everyone else, but they don't apply to Donald Trump because of Trump derangement syndrome. I was surprised in the in the documents case in Florida that the president's lawyers did not object to the protective order. In other words, the government wants to charge Donald Trump for his handling of documents, but they don't want the American people to know what those documents were about, what they pertain to. Uh, I thought that was extremely odd. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not Trump's attorney. I, I I'm happy to help him any any time I can. Um, you can what what do they say? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So I I don't know what the, what the rationale was for that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't either. 
Uh, I saw this past week uh, that uh, the president's lawyers finally uh, filed a motion to recuse uh, Judge Chutkin, uh, who is sitting on the D.C. case. Uh, Again, I'm a little surprised because uh, everything in their fairly well-crafted motion uh, seemed to be known to them the day that Judge Chutkin was assigned this case. Seems to me, this is just my opinion, you don't have to comment on it, uh, that waiting until the judge had made a series of adverse rulings against Trump makes it appear that he now seeks her removal because of that, not based on the fact that, for example, in her sentencing of one of the January 6th defendants, she essentially said that it was a shame that this defendant was going to prison when the man responsible for the actions of January 6th continued uh, to remain free. That, to me, is absolute evidence uh, of bias. Judge Chutkin is also a, was a major fundraiser, bundler uh, for uh, Barack Obama, as was her husband, who also serves on the federal bench, as was her mother-in-law. She had actually previously tried to seal the Fusion GPS records, so we would never be able to know who actually paid for the completely phony steel dossier. So there's a history uh, of, uh, I think, uh, adverse rulings there against the president and a mocity against the president. Uh, She has already summarily dismissed the claim by Trump's lawyers that this case in Washington is election interference. Uh, I'm glad to see that they filed their motion. I just think they should have done it sooner. Uh, I can tell you, Mike, that I have spoken to the president. I saw him a couple weeks ago. He he really is superhuman. I mean, any other human being under this kind of massive pressure, I mean, they're trying to put him away for a hundred years, would be, uh, you know, would be stressed, would be angry, would be apoplectic, would be depressed. He is none of those things. He is resolute. Uh, he is determined. Uh, he's a little angry, but he, I think he has the right to be angry because no former president has been treated this way. John F. Kennedy filed a slate of alternative electors when there was a dispute over the outcome of the election in Hawaii. On election night, Vice President Richard Nixon was declared the winner. Uh, his electors were certified. They had to be decertified because uh, John Kennedy had filed a slate of alternative contingent electors who ended up going to the Electoral College. Nobody accused John Kennedy of committing a crime. If one examines the election of 1800, uh, the uh, the politicization of the entire Electoral College system, the horse trading, the threats, uh, that was, uh, you know, for our founding fathers, that was okay. But Donald Trump simply exercising his First Amendment rights uh, to question the irregularities in the election has somehow been criminalized. Uh, But making it even worse, all political activity, including politically protected free speech and political activity, uh, has been criminalized under this administration. And it is designed to have a chilling effect on those uh, who would challenge the election results. Unfortunately, we are out of time here, but I want to thank uh, our guest, uh, Mike Davis, former chief counsel of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, 
uh, working there for that great American patriot, Iowa Center, Senator Chuck Grassley, uh, for joining us today on The Roger Stone Show. Mike, many, many thanks for being here. Thank you for having me.